Hello, birders. Welcome to Bird Facts with Kristen and Maeve. I'm Kristen, bird watcher extraordinaire. And I'm Maeve, bird knowledge novice. And in this podcast, Kristen tells me facts about a bird a week, and I listen and ask questions. We're learning along with you on this bird journey. So Kristen, what bird are we talking about today? So today we are talking about the double-crested cormorant. Whoa, how exciting. <laughs> yeah. And if you listened to our past episode, you know why we chose this bird. But if you didn't, uh, Kristen, can you give us a refresher? Yeah, so last in our last episode, we talked about the American white pelican and discovered that these two birds are friends with each other or you know where you wherever you find the American white pelican you're likely to also find the double crested cormorant so we thought it'd be fun to do sort of a two-parter of these these birds yeah I'm so excited to hear more me too yay Kristen so what is this bird's scientific name it is nanopterum auritum oh beautiful (laughs) (laughs) and then Maeve did you get a chance to look at some pictures of this bird I haven't, I haven't looked at any pictures. Can you show okay. me or I can look them up? Yes. Uh, well, I'll describe it to you and you can maybe look up a picture. Perfect. So, some of the websites described it as prehistoric looking, although I'm not exactly oh. sure what that means. It's mostly black and it has a yellow orange facial area and a light colored beak. And in the breeding season, the adults can develop what's called a double crest mm-hmm. of stringy black or white feathers, which is where it gets mm-hmm. that double crested name from. It's about 30 to 35 inches in length or 70 to 90 centimeters. The wingspan is about 45 inches, or which is about four feet. It has a very distinct shape. Cornell Lab says it's sort of like a cross between a goose and a loon. Mm -hmm. They're related to boobies and frigate birds for anyone who knows what those birds are. And they like salt and fresh water, and they can often be seen standing on rocks or docks with their wings spread to dry. These are, they're a diving bird. Uh, they're usually easy to recognize in the water because they, they sit lower in the water than other birds do. And then they'll just kind of disappear suddenly. That's how I usually mm-hmm. know I'm looking at a cormorant and not a loon or a duck. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen a bird with this type of body shape. Like its neck is very, it looks very twisted. Like its its head almost goes in a, in a semicircle and then its neck um, is like looks pretty thick to me it almost looks when it's flying like a wyvern like a, a dragon or something yeah but then when it's in the water it looks like you know goose yeah it's very fascinating and its yeah, eyes it's... are beautiful yeah I put in the fun facts but I'll just share it now it says okay. up close they may look more colorful than they do from far away their yeah. yellow orange face is really quite striking. And then it mm-hmm. says on this one website, it said they have aquamarine eyes that sparkle like jewels. <laughs> <laughs> and their mouth is bright blue on the inside, which I couldn't find. Oh. In any pictures, but you can see it in the videos. Oh my gosh. Bright blue on the inside. Mm-hmm. The, the mouth matches the eyes. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Strange. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture right now from National Audubon Society and um, it has its beak open and a fish is flying into its mouth. So, (laughs) (laughs) Or it's probably caught the fish and then it's tossing it up to catch it would be my guess. Oh, okay. That makes sense. They catch the fish under the water. Okay. And then they toss it up. Mm -hmm. Tasty. Fascinating. Okay. An interesting looking bird. Um, and do you, does it have a call that you can yes. play? 
<laughs> Whoa. So that's what they sound like. Wow, it just sounds really rumbly, like a, a hungry stomach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been around cormorants and I haven't heard that sound. So I'm mm. not sure what mm. situation that's in, or maybe it's you're mm. often when you see them, you're not very close because they're usually off on an island or way out in the water. Mm. So you haven't been close enough to hear them, maybe? Yeah, at least not. I've been closer to a different species of cormorant, which I can talk mm. about in a little bit. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and where does this bird live? So these, the double-crested cormorant is, it can be found all over the United States. They breed in the north-central United States and then a little bit of southern Canada. Then would they migrate to the southern and southeastern United States, the Pacific coast and Florida. Then some populations are found in Mexico and those populations do not migrate, but stay in Mexico all year. Okay. It's the most widespread species of cormorant in North America. Mm -hmm. They like the coast as well as inland lakes. So you, you're usually going to find them on water. You can find them on salt water or fresh water. And they mm -hmm. nest in large colonies in tall trees, or you'll often see them on little islands, just not too far off the coast of a lake. Okay. And in terms of migration, do they often have similar migration patterns to the American white pelican since these two birds are seen with each other? No, actually what I've determined of my own research is it seems like the pelican is found where the cormorant is found. Oh, okay. But the cormorant is not always found where the pelican is found, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. No, so if you see sense. a pelican, you'll probably also see a cormorant, but you might see mm -hmm. a cormorant where you won't see pelicans. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's like the square rectangle <laughs> situation. Yeah. So yeah. I'm guessing there is no relationship at all, but more coincidence about liking specific habitats and certain okay. species of fish that they feed on. So they just tend to be in the same areas, but then the pelican doesn't go as far east. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Good to know. Mm -hmm. Wow. And can you explain a little bit about this bird's behavior? Yes. So they eat mostly fish, although sometimes they will eat insects, crustaceans, or amphibians as well. And this bird is really interesting because it's different from most other birds in that they dive through the water to catch fish. Mm -hmm. And then they pro propel themselves with their webbed feet. Although most birds have webbed feet, they, they use them, I guess, sort of like a penguin does to just kind of mm -hmm. shoot through the water. And when I was in the Galapagos, uh, like six years ago, maybe longer, I saw they had the flightless cormorant there, which mm -hmm. is obviously quite related. And you, when you're snorkeling or looking under the water and you can see these birds just shooting through the water, like bullets so fast, Whoa. it's really cool to see. I, I've been trying to find videos. I couldn't find any videos of the double crested cormorant underwater, but I did mm -hmm. find some videos of other species. So people can at least get an idea of what they look like underwater, but mm -hmm. it's really cool how they swim underwater. Like most of the birds fly through the air. It's really beautiful to see. Um, That's amazing. So and they then, would just, even when humans were around, they would just dive in and shoot trying to mm -hmm. catch yeah. their food. Wow. Yeah. The double-crested cormorant probably wouldn't do that. The uh -huh. Galapagos species are unique in a lot of ways in that they're not afraid of humans for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. 
but I would guess if you were in the water, you wouldn't see any double crested cormorants mm. in the water. Around that makes you. sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you say that they nest in trees and on islands. So mm-hmm. the double breasted cormorant, they are able to fly, right? Yes, they can fly. Okay. So you'll often see them in large trees uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes they'll just be on the ground, but usually they're in, they'll, you'll just see hundreds of them in the trees. Oof. And when they nest, the male chooses a nesting location and then woos the female. And sometimes their buildup of their fecal matter can develop over time. So they can oh. kill groups of trees and then they'll have to move their nesting area when that oh. happens. <laughs> My gosh, what? Yeah. <laughs> they kill trees. I know it's really sad. <laughs> and then sad. another interesting fact about these birds is most birds have what's called preening oil, which comes from a gland near the base of the tail. So when you see birds sticking their beak in their feathers and moving it around, they're actually spreading an oil around their feathers. Mm-hmm. And in species like ducks and geese, it has a waterproof proofing quality for the okay. feathers. So when a duck goes mm-hmm. underwater and comes back up, it's dry immediately. But the double-breasted cormorant doesn't have as much of this oil buildup in their feathers. So the feathers get wet, which facilitates a faster uh, or more mm. ability to dive and catch fish underwater. But what this means mm. is that then they're wet when they come out of the water. So you'll often see them. If you've ever seen a bird kind of doing this on a dock, it's probably oh, the yeah. double-breasted cormorant or one of the cormorants drying off because they have to dry off completely on their own. So they just like open up their wings and mm-hmm. <laughs> sun dry. Yeah. So they just stand there with their wings open. So they spend most of their time actually resting and drying off throughout the day. I love it. That's the kind of life I want to lead. I know. (laughs) Just drying in the sun. Um, And then when the male is attracting a mate, I kind of touched on this a bit earlier, he chooses the nesting site. And then he Mm -hmm. sits at the nesting site that he chooses and he shows off his crest his beautiful aquamarine sparkly eyes we talked about (laughs) earlier. And then when a female comes near expressing interest, he shows her the inside of his mouth, that, that blue color that you appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. And then he makes grunting noises and then she decides if she wants to stay and mate or not. So interesting. I love hearing about the different courting patterns because with each bird we've talked about, they're slightly different. I know it's so interesting. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And then I think I touched on this a bit earlier, but if, if those out there are, are bird watchers and you're trying to find a cormorant, look near lakes or coastlines. And there's that, mm-hmm. as may have talked about earlier, a distinctive S-shaped crook in the neck. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, they sit low in the water, but usually the mm-hmm. best way you can tell that it's not a loon is that they'll suddenly disappear. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. when they're diving because a loon isn't going to dive. A duck isn't going to dive, although they might stick their heads in the water and their little butts will come up. If the bird yeah. disappears entirely, that's how you know it's a cormorant because it's a little bit tricky because they look different when they're in the tree or walking than they do in the water. Their their head mm-hmm. is kind of shaped a little bit differently. Their neck looks a little bit different. Okay, interesting. Anything else for the behavior? That's it. I'm on to the fun facts now, if you're ready for those. I'm ready. Hit me so I already them. talked about their sparkling jewelly eyes. Mm-hmm. And the double crest that we find in the species is only visible on adults during the breeding season. You're not going to find oh, it other times. Okay. And then this also similarly to the American white pelican is that young cormorants, when they get to a certain age, they leave the nest and they kind of hang out together in a big group called a cache. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when their parents come to feed them, they return to their own nest to be fed. 
And then these birds also often nest in places where there's going to be direct sunlight all day so they can get mm -hmm. hot and dehydrated. So the parent will put water in their mouth and waddle over to their baby and then just pour the water into the baby's oh. mouth so they can stay hydrated. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they build their nest, they use all kinds of fun stuff, not just twigs, but also human made things like you can find mm -hmm. rope or deflated balloons or other kinds of things in the nesting area. And then the last fun fact is the species have gone back and forth from being at risk to being good, healthy populations like they are now. Mm. In the past, they've been victims of shooting by humans because a lot of oh. people think that they are problematic for fish species. So if you're on a lake that has a lot of fishing populations or no fish, not populations, but a fishing industry, mm -hmm. people, people yeah. might shoot them thinking that they might put their fish populations at risk. And then they also mm. fell victim to that DDT situation that we talked oh, about yeah. with the peregrine falcon. So right. once the DDT was outlawed and they changed laws about shooting cormorants, their populations have come back and they're, they're at a really healthy, safe standpoint at this area, at this time. That's so good. So were the cormorant actually depleting the fish population or was this more of a myth and a, a fear of people who were fishing? From what I've seen, it's more of a, a myth. There is no evidence mm -hmm. to support that they actually... Because I think the th reason for that would be if you see a cormorant eating a fish, it's generally going to be a fish that's much smaller than the kinds that humans will be eating. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So like I think from it's that picture that I saw, mm -hmm. the fish was super tiny. Yeah, just a couple inches usually. Mm -hmm. So my guess is that it's just a myth. Yeah. Oh, it's so fascinating. Um, I don't think I have any questions, but I feel like I did learn a lot. Um, any Anything else, Kristen? No, I think that's all the, all the fun facts and the interesting things I learned about the cormorant. Although I guess now we need to decide, Maeve, we usually talk ahead of time about what <laughs> bird we want to do next week. Cause I know we had a bunch of ideas. We thought about doing some birds from the 12 days of Christmas song or yes. other winter birds, or we could even venture off into a different country. What are you thinking? Any birds on your mind, Maeve, that you've seen in the news or oh, that floated I'm past you in the air? <laughs> I mean, of course, I'd love to talk about a cardinal, like a, so maybe we could do that to kind of fit the snowy season. Yeah. The Northern Cardinal, those little red guys that you're yeah. found throughout the country, I believe. I guess I'll find yeah. out when I do my research <laughs> where I've lived, I've seen them, which is Wisconsin and Massachusetts. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a large True. sample size, but <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Okay, great. So we'll do the, the Northern Cardinal next time. Sounds great. Well, thank you, Kristen, for all of your work and research. Thank you, Savannah, for the artwork. And thank you, all of you, for listening. If you want to follow us on social media, check out our Instagram at birdfactspod. Email us at birdfactspod at gmail.com. If you want to ask a question or have an interest or special interest in birds and want to be on the show, connect, suggest a bird, just let us know. Yes. And those of you that are on Apple podcasts, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little five-star rating that helps people find the show. Yay. <laughs> so that would be very helpful. But for now, bye everybody. I'm Kristen. And I'm Maeve. Happy, happy birding. birding. <laughs> Sounds like you're singing happy birthday. <laughs>